Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. A very good afternoon to you and welcome. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. It is a beautiful, beautiful Wednesday afternoon here. Just gone 10 past 2 on this Wednesday afternoon, which is the seventh day in the month of Nisan, which means that we have seven more days until Pesach. In exactly a week from now, we will be about to start Pesach. In fact, in some ways, we will already have started Pesach, and that's perhaps what we're going to be talking about today. First of all, let's discuss the very special Shabbat that we have coming up over this coming weekend and what you need to do and what you need to know about this special Shabbos. And then from Shabbos onwards, let's talk about the special days and the special dates and the special events and the special things that everybody needs to be briefed on, needs to be reminded about, and needs to know exactly what to do, as we always do here on Judaism 101.9, giving you the briefing, giving you the stuff that you maybe once knew and perhaps you forgot, maybe you didn't forget, maybe you just needed a little bit of a brushing up, and perhaps for those who didn't know at all what needs to be done. Sounds like we're answering the questions of the four sons at the Seder. But be that as it may, let's get right to it and think about in order of appearance. Let's talk about the events over the next week. It's going to be seven jam-packed days with all sorts of Beautiful, wonderful, and interesting events and interesting days that are standing in front of us. Let's begin with Shabbos. This coming Shabbat is called Shabbat Hagadol, the big Shabbos. Now, we all know that there are many Shabbosim, many Shabboses, many Shabbatot that are called big Shabboses. There are several of them that uh, we would regard as being of paramount importance, we can think of perhaps Shabbat Tshuva, the Shabbos of repentance, the Shabbos of return, the Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Or perhaps we could think about the one of the Shabboses that has a special name. Um, we had one just over just a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, where we spoke about Shabbat HaChodesh, the Shabbos that pronounces the advent of the new month of Nisan, the beginning of the counting of the months. That is a big Shabbos. We have big Shabboses sometimes when a Shabbos perhaps coincides with a Yom Tov, with a Chag, and that perhaps is a big Shabbos. What about the Shabbat Shabbaton, <coughs> the Shabbos of all Shabboses, which is Yom Kippur? And what happens when Yom Kippur falls out on a Shabbos that maybe magnifies the Shabbos then? As has been made famous, coming emanating from South Africa, the concept of the Shabbos project. Is that a not a big Shabbos? Yeah, of course, all of them are big Shabboses, but none of them carry the name Shabbat Hagadol, the big Shabbos. And what does it mean that this is the big Shabbos? It's not going to be a Shabbos that's longer than any other Shabbos. It's not going to be a Shabbos really that is bigger in time or in effort and energy than any other Shabbos. But it's called the big Shabbos. It's called Shabbat Hagadol. And where does the name actually come from? When we think about the Shabbos before Pesach, it was actually the time that the Jewish people were galvanized into one people, 
for the very first time. And they were called upon to prepare for the mitzvahs that they had to do for the getting out of Egypt. They were called upon to prepare the lamb that had to be slaughtered. They were told on that day that this is what you're going to need to do. And the word got out that the Jewish people are preparing a grand feast. They are going to slaughter lambs, which were the gods of uh, idol-worshipping Egypt. And they're going to take that and they're going to use it as a redemption feast. And they're going to quit Egypt. They're going to get out after all the plagues that we've been through and all the difficulties. Now crunch time had come. This was the beginning of the end. And then a big revolution broke out in Egypt. And it actually happened on the Shabbos. Word got out that the last plague was about to befall the Egyptians. And that last plague, unlike all the other plagues that had lasted for several days, this one was going to be a one-time hit, a one-time event, the death of the firstborn. All firstborn were going to perish. Now, could you imagine... If you got word of that, and you were a firstborn, or you were the parents of a firstborn, or you had a firstborn uh, brother, what were you going to do about it? Well, people became agitated. They became angry. They were angry with the fact that Pharaoh was not taking into account all the other firstborns. In fact, it says that Pharaoh himself was actually a firstborn. But Paro, Pharaoh, in his wickedness, in his blind-sightedness, in his um, complete narcissistic behavior, was quite prepared to uh, take a chance once again with the lives of his people. He was quite prepared to enable another plague to befall them. He was quite prepared to go ahead, even though word was out that the firstborn were here under threat, that every firstborn was going to perish on the night that the Jewish people were going to quit Egypt. And if you were a firstborn or you had a firstborn or you knew a firstborn, they were angry, they were agitated, and they started protesting. Now, sometimes when prote- protests take place, it uh, can be peaceful, it can be wonderful, it can be controlled, it can be fine, it can sometimes e- evolve into a bit of a damp squib, it can become something that um, uh, peters out, that is uh, well managed by the authorities and therefore doesn't really shake or rattle anybody, and sometimes it can lead to real disaster. And sometimes it can result in the beginnings of a civil war. And in fact, we're told that this is what happened. On the Shabbos before the Jewish people got out of Egypt, the civil war began, agitated by the firstborn who were going to be annihilated. And wouldn't you agitate if you knew that um, every one of the other plagues that had taken place had actually come true? You'd lived through nine of them. You didn't want to wait to see if the tenth was also going to happen. And that the death of the firstborn was going to be, well, it was our lives, the firstborn said, that are on the line. We're going to agitate. And they started agitating and they started rioting and they started a a civil war and they started attacking Pharaoh's palace and they started attacking the uh, governmental officers. And the next thing that happened was this war broke out within Egypt, within the um, Egyptian people. And the result of it was not only that many people lost their lives. But the result was that this was the beginning of the Gula. This was the beginning of the redemption. So why is it Gadol? It is Gadol because a great big event, a great big miracle, a great big turnaround from everybody being focused on one thing only, and that was the death and destruction of the Jewish people or the 
complete and absolute suppression of the Jewish people, here, all of a sudden, everybody turned in another direction. And in fact, the Jewish people were completely, in a way, out of the picture. Gadol, a great big miracle, began unfolding. And this was the beginning of the Geula. This was the beginning of the redemption. The time had come for the Jewish people to realize and to see actually that they were about to leave, that they were about to depart, that things would never be the same again, that the whole of Egyptian society had changed, that in fact now the Egyptians were fighting amongst themselves and that, of course, the culmination was going to be our exodus, our Yetziat Mitzrayim, which was about to be upon us. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Beautiful song, Gulani Yachad, by Jonathan Scheinfeld, which reminds me of the fact that we have an opportunity to be Beyachad. I'm speaking to you from a building that's called Beyachad here in the offices of Chai FM. But Beyachad is an opportunity to unite. There is a great unity event that is happening right after Pesach. Uh, I mean, not immediately after Pesach, but... Uh, few days after Pesach, on Sunday, the 23rd day of April, grand unity event that is taking place at the Wanderer Stadium. The idea here is to make sure that everybody gets together. The idea of Hakil, of coming together, the strength of our unity, the strength of coming together. And it's uniting for so many different reasons, but the main reason being to unite. We're going to be able to participate in the Siyum HaRambam in a completion of a cycle of learning the Rambam, of learning the Torah of Maimonides that many people do around the world and people do on many different levels here in South Africa. It's going to be an opportunity to hear from live from one of the rabbis, one of the heroes of the Ukrainian uh, situation, one of the rabbis of Chabad in Ukraine, coming from Sumi, Ukraine, Rabbi Levitansky, who's going to be joining us here in Johannesburg to give us a little bit of an update and some of the um, events and goings-on that he has been par- uh, party to and participated in, as well as the fact that there is going to be lots and lots of fun for kids, lots and lots of activities for youth, and lots of beautiful, beautiful um, uh, inspiration that is going to come from many, many different spheres about um, why South Africa, about what we are doing as a people and about unity, about getting together and just uniting. There is a power in unity. There's a power in coming together. We spent too long over the last couple of years of sitting alone, of being apart. It's time to come together. It's time to join in the strength of unity. The strength of Hakil is what we are really talking about when we are wanting people to come together on that particular date. So, there's a way of booking, and that's by simply going to Ticket Pro and take a look there on the website for this Hakel event that is going to be taking place on the 23rd of of um, April. Um, it's a Sunday afternoon. Um, come along for men, women, children, old and young, as many people as possible that can fit into the Wanderer Stadium. That is um, a big ask, and we want people to please come and to join and participate. Be there um, and participate in it. Entrance actually is free, but you need to book. So please book online. Um, go to Ticket Pro if you're having difficulty with it or for whatever other reason, please feel free to call Chabad House and we'll put you on to uh, the right way of linking up and of getting your tickets. Make sure you're there. Hakel 2023, 23rd of April at the Wanderer Stadium. So 
Let's continue with the idea of the Jewish people galvanizing into one. Yes, it was an opportunity of coming together as a people in order to leave Mitzrayim, in order to leave Egypt, because in unity there is strength. In unity, um, nothing can stand in our way. And so the idea of coming together was something that we did as we were leaving Mitzrayim. And, of course, it all starts with Shabbat Agadol, where our unity became something that we needed to focus on. Now it's also a day of great unity. Um, We talk about the fact that on the Shabbat before Halacha tells us that on the Shabbat before Pesach, it's an opportunity for the rabbi to expound in the shuls upon what people need to know about Pesach. And usually the rabbis would give a drosha gdola, a drasha, a big drush, a big speech, a big explanation of all the laws of Pesach. There are so many people who ask all sorts of questions about Pesach. What do I do with this and what do I do with that? And how can I take these meds and how can I take that? Um, and so on. And what do I do if I'm going away? And what do I do if I'm staying home? And what do I do about this and what do I do about that? We need constant, constant, uh, re, uh, invigoration and re-information and to make sure that we have it all at our fingertips and that it's all there. And it was Shabbat Hagadol was which opportunity to do it. What practically happens in our prayers is actually that there is no special Torah reading that takes place. It is the regular parsha of Tzav which takes place. And Tzav, however, in itself has the idea of connection. It's about making sure that we have a great connection with the Almighty and the Almighty with us and, of course, with each other in an act of unity. But then at Mincha time, it's customary at the Mincha prayer on Shabbos afternoon that we do read the first part of the Haggadah. The first part of the Haggadah that we're going to read at the Seder table is actually read as a kind of an introduction, kind of a four um, taste of what is going to come on Pesach. We quickly read part of the Haggadah at Mincha time on uh, Shabbat afternoon. And that takes care then of Shabbat Haggadol. But it's really this idea of the focus of where we should be and what we should be thinking and how we need to think about our unity, how we need to think about where we are going and what we're doing and think about, of course, all the messages of Pesach, which are right around the corner. Saturday night and Sunday is a very important day in the Chabad Hasidic calendar. It is Yud Aleph Nisan. So this actually works out this way, that Yud Nisan is Shabbos. Shab- um, uh, Sunday is Yud Aleph Nisan. Yud Aleph Nisan, the 11th of Nisan, was the birth date of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, who was born um, in 1902 and who was born on Yud Aleph Nisan, the day of the birth of this great man, of this great tzaddik, who uh, came into our world and changed the Jewish world for good in every sense of the word, um, making sure that we are all um, able to have all the wonderful, beautiful um, influences of Chabad around the world um, in our lives. And no matter where we travel, of course, we come across Chabad. And no matter where we go, we have the opportunity for uh, people to uh, look after us, to know that there is a Chabad house in uh, that environment and so on. And we not only salute that, but look back on the life of the Rebbe and the influence that his birthday actually had on each and every one of us. It's of huge significance. Um, to anybody and everybody today because everybody somehow has been influenced by the work of Chabad not only in South Africa but around the world. So that all takes place 
Saturday night and Sunday, Yud Aleph Nisan, uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe's birthday. Remember that uh, the Rebbe was born then, of course, um, in the days just before Pesach. And so the link between the Rebbe and Pesach is significant. There's a huge link, a huge connection, but not the least of which was that the Rebbe was a an individual who um, I heard speak many, many times. I'm sure many of you heard, have heard him speak and uh, have read things that he has written. There was one thing that was consistent in the Rebbe's writings and teachings, and that was a prayer for the Gula Shlema, for the complete redemption. And there wasn't a moment that the Rebbe didn't focus on it, didn't think about it, and didn't push for it. And, of course, his birth being just before the Gula from Mitzrayim, we, uh, the redemption from Egypt, we are always reminded you know, that in the same way as we were redeemed then from Egypt in and in, in the Gula, the redemption took place in, the, in Nisan, that in Nisan we will be redeemed in the future as well. So, of course, this is a, um, an auspicious, uh, propitious time for Gula, for redemption. And it's not only now, but, of course, throughout the time of Pesach. When we get a little bit closer to Pesach, there is a lot more that we need to focus on when it comes to our Pesach preparations. So Judaism 101.9 would like to share with you a list of a number of things that one needs to make sure that you have taken care of. The first thing is that when it comes to Pesach, we as Jews are not allowed to possess chametz. Now, um, ostensibly that should mean or could mean or would mean, if you're going to take it to the literal uh, lengths, that we've got to get rid of every iota of uh, chomets that we might have in our uh, realm. We've got to make sure that we throw out all our cutlery and all our crockery and everything, all our pots and pans. In fact, strip the kitchen, throw it all out, uh, get rid of it all and start afresh for Pesach. But in fact, we, um, halacha Jewish law would never have such a rule and such a, a law. And as long as we just don't have it in our possession, um, we are going to be okay. So we need to make sure that we clean out our homes, um, which of course I'm sure everybody has started with. If you haven't, get started. Make sure that your homes are completely cleaned of chametz. That if there is chametz that is going to be kept over Pesach, um, that it is stored in a proper place, a facility, a room, um, an outhouse, a pantry, a cupboard or a set of cupboards or whatever it is that you can spare and that you can put it away in. And there it is placed. And then we have to effect a sale. Now, <coughs> the sale, remember, only kicks in. The sale of the chomets only kicks in on uh, Erev Pesach, 9 a.m. is the cutoff time um, on uh, next Wednesday. We need to make sure that our sale is done before then. It can be done before the house has been completely cleaned, and it can be done before you've actually packed everything away because you are going to appoint the Beth Din or your rabbi as your agent to sell the chametz on your behalf, and the sale will only really take place on next Wednesday morning. So even if you've signed the form now or you've gone online, and of course you can go online to the UOS website or to ChabadSouthAfrica.org uh, where you can find a sale of chametz uh, form and you fill in the details, you fill in the addresses of any place that you may own chametz. And then what happens is that on the day before Pesach, on next Wednesday, 9 a.m., the Beth Din will meet with a non-Jew who will in a proper sale, actually purchase all the chomets. So the chomets is no longer yours. It actually becomes um, owned by this 
non-Jew who is allowed to possess chametz over Pesach. Jews are not allowed to possess it. So he will purchase all the chametz um, for the duration of Pesach. Really, if he comes up with all the money that uh, they will put in the contract, um, he will have to take possession of it all um, by the end of Pesach. But if he doesn't, at the end of Pesach, there is a reversal of that sale and um, the Bethin ostensibly buys it back from the non-Jew um, and that will all take place after Pesach. So for the duration of Pesach, we are released, we are relieved, we are um, put into a position whereby we do not possess any of that chametz, any of the leaven, any of those items that we may not possess over Pesach through effecting this sale. So we need to make sure that we have done the sale, that we have done it correctly, that we filled in our names and addresses either online or go to your local rabbi or fill in a form and make sure that it reaches the Beth Din offices by no later than 9 o'clock on next Wednesday morning on Erev Pesach. Once we've done all of that, once we've done the sale, once we've cleaned our homes and so on, then we, besides preparing all the foodstuffs that you're going to need for Pesach and for the Seder and so on, we need to then look forward to Tuesday evening. Now, on Tuesday evening, we need to do what we call Bedikat chametz. The bedikat chametz means the search for chametz. Now, the search for chametz is something that is of paramount importance. It is so important that we do the search for the chametz and that we do it properly. It is a mitzvah to do the search of chametz. And it's not only um, that we are really looking for chametz in our homes, but, of course, the idea of looking for the chametz, the ego, the uh, sense of self-importance within ourselves, which has this mirror image, which is a metaphor um, of the chametz as well, we need to make sure that we do all of that as well. The time for B'dikat chametz is from 6.31 or in Joburg, 6.31 on a Tuesday evening. From then onwards, we should make sure that we do this B'dikat chametz. The B'dikat chametz should take place in our homes. It is traditional to place 10 pieces of bread um, carefully wrapped so that you don't spill them anywhere um, and placed in the rooms where you have lived, where you may have and you did have chametz um, during the year and to go around with a candle and a feather and a wooden spoon and to um, check for chametz. Of course, at the same time, you're going to be looking in drawers and you're going to be looking all over in cupboards and so on. But really, the idea of placing the ten pieces is, number one, that you actually find something. We make a bracha, we make a bracha on the search of the chametz, and we make sure that we do that all. Um, on the night before Pesach, which is Tuesday evening. So we need to make sure we do that. And we should do it with the entire family. It's an opportunity for the kids to be involved. We've got to remember from the beginning of the search until the end, we do not talk. We just find the chametz. And then we complete it by saying the kol chamira, the first one, which is that all leaven and anything leaven that's in my possession, which I've neither seen nor removed and about which I'm unaware, shall be considered nullified and ownerless as the dust of the earth. That chametz is then put aside and make sure it's put in a safe place, that it's out of the reach of children and animals and so on, and then it is burnt on uh, Wednesday morning on Erev Pesach. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz.
continuing where we left off, we have to do our burning of the chametz on the morning before Pesach, which is next week, Wednesday morning. And that should be done no later than 10.45 a.m. in Johannesburg. 10.45 a.m. is the last chance that you should have <coughs> to do the burning of the chametz. But we should stop eating chametz from 9.45 a.m. So one hour before, we should already have stopped eating chametz. So by Wednesday morning, it's an unusual thing because usually our uh, all the rules of the festivals kick in at uh, sunset. Um, here with the chametz and with the preparations of Pesach, it all starts actually in the morning. Now, this was really because the Korban Pesach, the Paschal sacrifice, was actually brought on the afternoon of um, uh, of Erev Pesach, and therefore Erev Pesach was already very much a part of the festival, the eve of Pesach, the day before. And so we actually stop eating chametz by 9.45 a.m. in Johannesburg on next Wednesday morning. So we need to make sure that we do all of those things. Now, in addition to um, all the other things that you have to have ready for your Pesach Seder, whether you're making your own charoset and your own chrein, whether you're grating it, whether you're getting it uh, ready-made, whether you are uh, boiling the eggs for the hard-boiled eggs that you need on the t- Seder table, and you're roasting the shank bone or the neck of the chicken, whatever it is you're accustomed to use, and you're preparing all the things that are needed for the Pesach Seder plate, we should also go out of our way to make sure that we have shmura matzah, um, preferably handmade shmura matzah that we use in our Seder plate, remember we place three matzot in the Seder plate, and those three matzahs, those three matzot, are number one, the one that is going to be broken in half, and then it's on that half that we actually tell the whole story of Pesach. The other half is put away for the Afrikoman. We then use the other two for the Hamotzi and for the Hillel sandwich, which we're going to eat in the middle of the Seder. So we have the three matzot, but they are also known as the Kohen, the Levi, and the Israel, the tribes of the Jewish people. It incorporates everybody. Um, there is a tradition that we have take matzot that are slightly, a little bit sort of concave, and out of them we make a vessel, and a vessel is called a keli. Kohen, Levi, and Yisrael is a keli. It's a vessel. It's a vessel that can incorporate, that can absorb all the brachot, all the blessings that we hope are showered upon us. Uh, during Pesach, and not the least of which is that it is a festival of geula, of redemption, of unity, of coming together, and we hope that that is something that doesn't only last us for the duration of the Seder, but lives on in our lives um, for the entire year, and in fact, all the way into the future. It is also a tradition to have three matzot on the Seder table, because the first time matzah is mentioned, albeit in a uh, indirect way in the Torah, was when Abraham Avinu and Abraham served matzahs to the three angels, three angels who came to visit him, came to tell him, um, in and amongst other things, that he was going to have a son, that Yitzchak was going to be born. And it was these three malachim, these three angels, who gave rise to the idea of three matzot, three matzahs on our Seder table. So we hope that we're also angelic as we sit around our Seder table. Now, in addition to all of that, we need to make sure that we have made what we call an Eruv Tavshilin. We've got to remember that uh, we are going from Yom Tov into Pesach. So an Eruv Tavshilin, which is something that we started cooking in order to enable us to prepare on Friday for Shabbos. Because Friday is, of course, Yom Tov. What can we do on Yom Tov to prepare for Shabbos? Well, we can only do the things that we're uh, limited to do on Yom Tov, but we are allowed to cook, remember, on Yom Tov 
although it must be from the existing flame or from a stove that was turned on uh, before the Yom Tov actually began, we can do that, but it's only limited to the day. Now, this is a special dispensation to enable us to be able to cook on and prepare on Friday for Shabbos, and therefore we actually set aside some foodstuffs uh, before Pesach, before uh, the Yom Tov actually starts, um, which we are going to then use as part of the Shabbos food, it's as though we have started the preparation and we're going to just continue it on Friday for Shabbos. And we need to make what we call an Eruv Tavshilin. We say a bracha on the mitzvah of Eruv and we then say um, that anybody um, can utilize the idea of this Eruv uh, to be able to prepare and get ourselves ready for Shabbos because we're into a three-day three day haul. Remember, the Thursday is Yom Tov. And in Johannesburg and, and uh, around the world, except for Israel, um, Friday is Yom Tov and then Shabbos. And so, therefore, we need to prepare this Eruv Tavshilin to enable us to be able to prepare on Shabbos, on Yom Tov, rather, for Shabbos. Be back with you to sum up right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So perhaps the most important thing about getting ready for Pesach is to prepare ourselves. How do we prepare ourselves for Pesach? Well, it's not only about searching the home, and it's not only about preparing the Eruv Tafshilin or making sure that we have everything sold that needs to be sold and that we have everything prepared for the Bedikat Chometz, for the search of Chometz, and so on. But it really is about doing some self-introspection and some self-education. Um, we need to Learn about Pesach. We need to read up about Pesach. We need to read up about Yetziat Mitzrayim and what it means, the exodus from Egypt, what it meant for the Jewish people, what it means for us. We've got to talk about what Chometz and Matzah actually mean and what it means for us. We need to liberate ourselves in a way of all the things that are surrounding us, that are about us, that make us nervous, that give us tension, that make us stressed, and to try and find a way within ourselves to study, to learn, to um, get our headspace correct for Pesach. It's not just about showing up at the Seder, I don't think, and uh, sitting down and having a grand old meal and seeing uh, what the kids can sing and so on. But it's very important for us as adults. The kids are all learning about it in school. The kids are all hearing about it from their teachers. The kids are all involved in it, hopefully, in the preparation for Pesach. But we, the seniors, uh, the adults, uh, the the leaders around the Seder table, hopefully, need to spend some time learning. There is so much that is available. There's so many shiurim. There are so many books. There are so many things that you can read up online. Please, let's get involved and make sure. You know what? uh, One of the best ideas, perhaps, is to get yourself a really good Haggadah and uh, go through some of the interpretations. In any good Haggadah, there are interpretations on the bottom. Get one that uh, will suit your fancy and read up on some of the things that go on at the Pesach Seder. Don't be caught wanting at the Pesach Seder. If somebody says to you, well, what do you know about this? Or your kids ask you a challenging kind of a question. We don't have to have all the answers, but we've got to be able to have a little bit of an idea of actually what's going on in the Seder and what is going on for Pesach. And to prepare ourselves is one of the ways of really getting the chametz out of us and making sure that we are uh, Pesach ready completely within ourselves as well, both spiritually, mentally, intellectually, socially, 
and on any other level possible. So we look forward to a very, very beautiful and liberating and wonderful Elevating Chag of Pesach. I want to wish you a happy and kosher Pesach. I want to wish you well for the coming week, for the Shabbat up ahead, and look forward to chatting to you again um, sometime soon. I'm not sure if uh, we will be on. Um, I don't think I will be here next week because it is right before Pesach, so I'm going to ask you for a rain check on that one, um, and uh, we'll speak to you again sometime soon another exciting episode of Judaism 101.9. Take care.